One and two on Davis. Watson really taking his time. High fly ball to right. Back on it. Top it up. Back it goes. And it's gone. It just got out. But a broken bat. Chris Davis hits a home run. How strong is he? Welcome to the Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast. My name is Brent. As always, Zach is with me on this Memorial Day. How are we doing? I'm doing great, man. Fresh off a, uh, a round of golf and going to fire up the grill after we're done recording here. But how's uh, how's your Memorial Day weekend going? Good. Same. Yeah, I'm going to cook some chicken right after this as well. And we just want to say from Exit Velocity team, Thank you for everyone currently serving and that has served in the past. And today we got Alex Fast with Pitcher's List on to cover the Baltimore Orioles. How are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm sorry to disappoint any veterans that might be listening to this that uh, have to listen to me for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Talk about one of the, <laughs> I don't know if they're the most exciting team in baseball or the least. Depends how you look at it and where you're coming from, I guess. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, listen, who wants to hear about success? It's boring. Right. Don't you want to yeah. hear about toil and 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 you know, you know what I mean? Like if you want to have the happy stories, you got to start somewhere like where the Baltimore Orioles are. You really do, because I feel like all people talk about in the industry or even baseballs. I mean, your top 15 teams, everyone like the Orioles and the Marlins, all those teams get left out, even though they do have some exciting players and could be good in five or so years. 100%. These are the dudes that end up winning you your fantasy baseball leagues. You know what I mean? These are the dudes that no one really remembers, and, and they're kind of afterthoughts, and they're a joke. But uh, th- there's actually some people we're going to talk about today that are pretty pretty interesting and pretty exciting to talk about. Yes, there is. Uh, so how did you get started in the fantasy baseball industry? You're one of the bigger names out there now with Pitcher's List, and you cover a lot of stuff with the KBO daily. You write articles for them, giving everyone like a recap of what happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I have to admit the I do the Wednesday article and then the other ones because of how WordPress works are published under my name. But we have this great KBO team at Pitcher List that is doing a fantastic job. I wish I could do an article each day for them because that would be my, my dream. Um, but, yeah, the, those guys are killing it. And I'm happy to do the Monday uh, recaps and the Wednesday articles. Those are a lot of fun. The KBO is like if you're like someone who doesn't enjoy three true outcome baseball like they're playing right now in MLB with the strikeouts and the walks and the home runs, then the KBO is for you. It's much more contact oriented. It's a lot. It's a lot quicker uh but the way that i got into the industry was just kind of i i had done a bunch of fantasy baseball leagues and i would send these like five or six page reviews each week after i was done like after a week was done just to my league mates just kind of like roasting them i sent that to nick who had a post on our fantasy baseball i believe talking about pitcher list and um sent that to him and he was we kind of uh, started up a conversation. We both lived in Brooklyn. We met up and kind of the rest is history. I asked if he wanted to start a podcast and he said he'd been meaning to do that. And yeah, and 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 very flattering for you to say that about, about me in the industry. I don't know if I quite agree, uh, but it's very flattering to hear. It's, uh, it's only because of all the people in the industry like you guys. I mean, the community is fantastic and it's been it's been a fun past couple of years for sure. Yeah, it really has. I know, too, with the KBO, Zach, have you been following it as much as the guys over at Pitcher's List? 
I'm not going to lie, I haven't. I think it's awesome what you guys are doing, how you're giving us all baseball when we obviously don't have any MLB going on right now. But I haven't been keeping up with it too much. Just life is hectic with a with a child running around all the time. I really don't watch anything these days other than Sesame Street. So <laughs> yeah, it's, Paw Patrol, that's your, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I've, I see a ton of stuff, a ton of content on Twitter, uh, guys posting videos. I, I, I look at your, your uh, daily recaps, I guess, with the pictures that uh, perform the best for the daily uh performances and um yeah there's just a lot of good content that's being put on twitter so even if i don't watch the full games there's still plenty out there for us to take in yeah i appreciate that and it's it's funny because it's like it's such a different brand that like you know each morning i try and do a gif of the the top strikeout performer of the day before sometimes it's like i i won't do it because it's like four strikeouts or like three strikeouts it's just a different brand of baseball that's a little bit more contact oriented yeah, it's very different. My my jaw went to the floor the other day when I saw Chris Flexen as your uh, your top performer. I'm a Mets fan, and <laughs> and he's he struggled for us for two years, and I was just waiting for them to get rid of him and have him go off to Japan or Korea and just do exactly what he's doing. So I just couldn't believe it. it didn't surprise me at all oh. to see that. <laughs> Dude, there there are some there are some you know quote unquote foreign players over there that are killing it. Jose Miguel Fernandez, the guy who was with the Angels for a while. Yeah, over the weekend, I don't know what happened on Sunday, but he was hitting over 500. Like literally, he was hitting 507. He's in in the first three weeks of the season. He's just been demolishing it. And I'm, my my personal favorite is the guys who look like Harry Potter who hit the ball like 450 feet. <laughs> Wasn't there some guy? Uh, I don't know if it was uh, last night or two nights ago that just hit an absolute nuke to right field or something. Uh, was it like Roberto something? Oh, Roberto Ramos. Roberto, Roberto Ramos. Ramos. Yeah, walk off yeah. grand slam. Jeez. So do you expect? Is there any? KBO stars out there right now that you could see coming over and making a big impact in the coming years to the MLB? Yeah, totally. There's a pitcher who really catches my eye every time he pitches. His name is Cheng Moku for the NC Dinos. He's got this this really fantastic slider that just falls off the table at the last second. It's a really wonderful movement. He's able to work the bottom of the zone really frequently. He, he, he has like a low 90s fastball, so I think he needs to add another tick to that to, to, to come on over. Um, but I've heard guys who work for, you know, KBO organizations say that, you know, he could be a Korean Cliff Lee if he adds a cutter. I mean, he, he he's just, he's got a lot of promise. He's super young, and he's one of those guys where every time he's starting, I'm, I'm going to be watching. It's a hell of a comp right there, Cliff Lee. No, seriously, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to reach that. I think he's more of a like a Korean, like like Matthew Boyd. But still, it's he has a chance to come on over, in my opinion. Okay, very nice. I know a guy too that's been pitching pretty well. I believe he, I saw an article. He's two and zero with a one six nine ERA from the Orioles. Mike Wright. That would that one is very surreal. I, I I believe he's he's also on the Dinos if I if I'm if I remember correctly. And that whole pitching staff has just been absolutely killing it. Um, it it's an interesting place for like guys who weren't able to find their footing in the MLB. I know um, uh, what's his name? Drew Gagnon had like a fantastic start a couple of days ago with these like really nasty sinkers. Dan Straley had one start with 11 strikeouts and I think he struggled a little bit um, recently, but he's been looking really good with this kind of newfangled curveball that he's been working on. There's a lot of really exciting names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know one thing before we dive into the Oreos today, PitchCon is going to be happening this weekend and I saw pitchers list come out with that lineup of the panels of everything that everyone's going to be doing and wow, that is going to be a fun four days. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. I, I, true. Everyone's just got to be bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, even, even when I look at the people that Nick was able to get, I, I really can't believe it. The way that I'm building it, I don't know if Nick is happy. Is it's just you know, it's first pitch, which is the Baseball HQ uh, conference. It's first pitch without the pants. You can mm-hmm. just you know watch as many amazing analysts as you want. Um, fantastic talks from you know. I don't know how Nick got Jason Benetti, the Chicago White Sox announcer, but he's doing a talk. There's a talk with Nick and Eno Saris and Pitching Ninja, Rob Friedman. I mean, there's this great panel with Ellen Adair and Kate Pressier and Sarah Sanchez, Janice Scurriel and Shelly Verstrait. Uh, Verstrait, excuse me. I mean, I, I don't uh, Nick, he just pulled out all the big stops and we're super excited. We're, we're really excited to see what we can do. So all of these panels and discussions, everything will be on Twitter, Twitch. How, how is everybody able to watch this stuff? Yeah, if you go, so Nick released this big article today, which gives you all the details. If you go to pitcherlist.com backslash pitchcon, the the, the question I've gotten the most is like, how much is this going to cost? And it's free. I mean, you can, we we would love if you could give us a donation. That would be absolutely Mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, But, you know, if you can't, times are very tough right now. We completely understand that. Uh, If you can't, then just come enjoy the content for free. There's links to, um, uh, the I think it's StreamYard that we're going to be doing it. Um, they're going to be tweeted out every single day uh, on Twitter um, where you can watch them. And I think there's 65 different analysts who are talking and then with like over 40 different um, uh, presentations. So, yeah, you can watch on Twitch. You can watch on Twitter. It's going to be all over the place this week. We hope we don't bother people with how much we're going to inundate them with these links. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure it'll be a good time. The three ones that highlight my days of the panels is Yancey Eaton is going to be interviewing you and Nick. I think yeah. that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then you are doing that. OO pitch count yeah. with, I saw that article come out with that you wrote with, or that tweet about how guys are too aggressive Yeah, starting off. And then Pollock and Spore are going to play MLB the show. I believe at nine o'clock on day yes. three. Yes, that was that's so funny. Nick was like, I need one more thing that night. What should we do? And I was like, oh, you, you should play Spore in the show. And I'm glad you brought up Yancey because his episode uh, with, with, with your podcast was fantastic. Yeah, was a, he lot, can, a yeah. lot of fun to record. He was great. I, it was a really fun listen. He knows his Tampa Bay Rays, and it's just fun to have him on because he, like he said, oh, I keep in touch with Blake Snell. And it's like, man, oh, man, he's got know. so many connections with that Rays industry. Seriously, yeah. I, I can't wait until he, they just draft him one year just for just for no reason. You know, what I mean, yeah. make him like the 50th, 50th guy drafted. Yeah. yeah, that's why this whole this whole team preview thing that we've been doing is fun. I mean, we could just go through each team just on our own. But, you know, it's nice having somebody come in who knows this team better than we do and just kind of bounce stuff off of them. And uh, obviously, Yancey, a big, big Rays fan and you're a big Orioles fan. So it should be fun to uh, dive into one of the more uninteresting teams for this season. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we're, we're going to make it more exciting, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I will be very excited about how bad we are. So going on that, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be another 50, 60, 70 win season? Or do you think there could be a little bit of potential with this team? Um, it's a great question. I mean, I, I do think that sadly they will still be one of the worst teams in baseball. Um, I I do think that I if we're retroactively looking at just an 82 game season, if everything clicks and if everyone's operating at their peak potential, they could theoretically be like a 35 win team, which would which would be the equivalent of like a 68 or 69 win team over a full 162 game season. That would still be like a 12 win improvement from what they did last year. But if we're looking at an 82 game season, they're obviously not going to be in contention for anything. Even if they had a 29 team playoff, uh, I, I think that we'd probably miss that one. 
but I, I think they might be able to play spoiler because there are some names, uh, some surprises that um, people might not be aware of that are actually pretty good. And the one guy that I think is one of the more interesting players, the way you guys spent money to get him too, and he really only had, I feel like, two great years with you guys in 2013 and 2015 in that second half. I know he carried a ton of fantasy teams, two championships, mine as well. With Chris Davis, do you think he is? It's the Chris Crush Davis era is over, or do you think he can make a little bit of a bounce back? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I mean, if if spring training was any indication, he's going to be the MVP for the next sixteen years. I, I mean, <laughs> he over twenty six plate appearances, he was slashing four sixty seven, six fifteen, one point oh six seven. Uh, and I know that got a lot of people really, really excited. Um, I, I really do believe that it, it depends on him and it depends on this new front office that I think is still steadily trying to institute change. From what I've heard, he 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 does very much want to change. He, he's he, you know, it was embarrassing for him to have that hit streak. He was able to, you know, poke fun at it a little bit when after he got the hit in Boston, he like, you know, asked for the ball, which I thought was really funny. Listen, you can't be an Orioles fan without having some sort of optimism. If I didn't want to be optimistic, I'd just be a Yankees fan and have everything handed to me on a silver <laughs> platter. Um, yep. So I'll say, yes, there is a chance for Davis to return to being an above Mendoza line hitter, which is sadly the new expectation for him. I do think he can get back to being a 230 yeah probably 230 is the ceiling kind of guy who hits 25 home runs a year um and i'll take that after you know consecutive years of sub 200 baseball yeah it's i mean it's been a struggle for him i think i mean his, i don't know if he's ever really had elite bat skills even when he had those massive seasons the only thing he did was hit home runs and that's because he was lucky enough to get the ball to hit that bat and his power just carried it out of the ballpark and it was camden yards Zach, what do you think Chris can bounce it back? Yeah, I'm really just not buying it, man. I think if there's anybody that's really been hurt more by the shift in recent years, I think it's probably Chris Davis. I mean, his strikeout rate is consistently above 30%. It's just it's just not suitable for the game today. I, I still think we're looking at another year of struggles. And if, if it continues, I mean, I'm surprised he honestly wasn't even DFA'd last year. I mean, they held on to him because they really weren't going anywhere, but... Um, he could be a DFA candidate in the future if this continues. But, I mean, like you said, this is really the player that he is. I mean, he struck out a ton his whole career, but he just managed to hit a lot more long balls a few years ago in his MVP years, and he's just not doing that now. I think it's still going to be another year of struggles for him. I think the good days are clearly behind here for Chris Davis. Yeah, it's sad. I, I, I just want to, you know... It's all about willingness to change and then the ability to change. And I don't even know, like, I really want to believe from what I've heard that the willingness to change is there, but there's just so many holes in that swing. And, and you know, he's just been, it's also, I think, just a big mental thing for him as well. I don't mm. I, I like to yeah. talk about the mental game. It's tough to equate, but, like, I cannot imagine getting paid that much money and failing that miserably at a sport where you're already paid to fail. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's so I imagine it's taken its toll. I do know this. The one thing I always like to bring up about him is he has done wonders for the community. He is extremely charitable with that money. So that's why I never really jump in on people, you know, lambasting him for the money. He got paid, whatever. It's not his fault. He got paid, but he gives a lot of it back to charity. A lot of it. That's good to hear. Yeah. I didn't know he was that involved in the community, but yeah, mental wise, that just got to drain you when your home fans out at your home ballpark are booing you. That's like pretty much going into your house and your wife just every day harping on you. That got to be terrible. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just happy if she'll talk to me. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, every day, every game, they're all just harping on him. Yeah. And that, I mean, that just got to get old. But with a more positive guy in that lineup and a little bit younger, Renato Nunez, last year he hit 31 home runs and 599 plate appearances. Do you think there's 40 home run potential in that swing in a 162-game season? Yeah, I mean, listen, this is this is a dude as a 26-year-old pole power hitter in a park that is ideal for pole power hitters. Um, were he in any other stadium aside like Houston or maybe Cincinnati, I would say there isn't really a chance. But Camden Yards is made for people like him. I mean, it's actually right next to Coors in terms of uh, um, you don't necessarily need to barrel the ball if you're a righty to hit it for a home run. It's actually very forgiving. You know, so that means that Renato Nunez's 74th percentile barrel rate is is arguably even better just because of that park. I don't think 40 is likely, especially if we see a dejuiced ball in upcoming seasons. But I, I, I really would not be surprised to see Nunez be a perennial, you know, low 30 home run hitter in that stadium. Hmm, that's interesting there. Uh, Zach, what do you think Nunez can do? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think he's a 40 home run type guy. That ballpark, if anything, helps him out a little bit. But I think you're looking at maybe a 25, 30 type guy. Uh, hits the ball exceptionally hard, which is always good. And like like Alex was saying, I mean, that ballpark is just really suitable for him. So, yeah, I mean, I think he'll be a nice player, but I, I don't think it's any uh, anything to go crazy about. I don't think this is like the future of the Orioles organization here that we're talking about. But he, he's a nice role player right now who could have some pop in, in his bat. Yeah, he's an exciting like number five. You know what I mean? He's an exciting yeah. number five. And for fantasy purposes, he's one of the guys to harken back what we said at the beginning of the podcast that falls off the radar because he's an Oriole. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? This is a guy who for 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 fantasy players goes after pick, you know, 300. And he's he's at least 20 to 25 home runs for you for free. So that's you know, I know a lot yeah. of people in the fantasy community like him for that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot a lot of these guys that we're talking about are most likely not. um they're not going to be typical options in like a 12 team league. I mean, these are mostly deep league guys and you're going to try and ride these guys out when they're hot, search the waiver wire. If they're streaky, uh, that's the type of players that these are, that we're going to be talking about here. Uh, like we were saying last year, like guys like Renato Nunez, uh, some other guys we're going to talk about, maybe like Austin Hayes, won people leagues last year, just because they were playing well at the right time in the fantasy season. So these are not typical guys that we would maybe recommend for your regular 10 to 12 team league but for deeper leagues these are definitely uh good role players for sure yeah i know last year when he was hot he was definitely worth rostering and starting because he would have a week or two where he was one of the hottest hitters in baseball i know me and jordan last year we always did our top 10 fantasy players of the week and i know his name was on that list at least two or three times so to pick him up if you can i'll draft him late so one anyone in this lineup that would surprise people later on yeah, there's 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 a few. I mean, I, I really still don't think that Hanser Alberto is getting enough love. I mean, this is a dude who hit 305 last year. He was the 99th percentile in K percentage. He's like David Fletcher or even Mookie Betts and, and the amount of insane contact that he makes. He was top 10 in contact rate last year, and this isn't out of the blue. He was crushing it in the Dominican League before the 2019 season. He was hitting 322 over like 200 plate appearances. He's not going to barrel the ball. He's not going to give you a lot of power, but he puts it in play and he relies on some above league average speed to be able to reach base so um, every projection i see has him hitting like 240 or something and i just think he's you know is he going to hit over 300 again probably not but he's a guy who can hit 280 290 i think with some consistency and then the other guy you kind of hit the nail on the head when he brought up austin hayes i mean he was my dark horse rookie of the year pick if we played in 162 game season because i think Mm -hmm. unlike guys like luis robert or robert rather 
Um, he was going to play every day. We weren't going to have to worry about, you know, um, strikeout. Well, we, Luis Roberts obviously going to be great, but I think we were going to see enough of a sample size from Austin Hayes that he was going to be able to compile a lot of really, really good stats. He's he's not going anywhere because of his defensive skills. The the outfielders in, in, in Baltimore sadly aren't great. And now with the you know unfortunate cancer of Trey Mancini, there's a lot of time for guys like him and Anthony Santander and DJ Stewart to play. If you look at that slash last year in just 75 plate appearances, the 309 batting average obviously sticks out as maybe a sore thumb, but it comes with the 303 expected batting average. It gives it a lot more credit in my mind. Is he going to be a 300 hitter? Absolutely not. But I'll take the over on the 250 projection he's getting on his batting average right now. Yeah, and I know, too, And playing in Baltimore, he's going to have free flow, and there's not going to be any pressure on him. And right now, Roster Resource has him leading off in the Baltimore lineup, so a ton of runs could be scored as well. So going on to the rotation, do you Mm -hmm. think the starters could keep this starting ERA under 4.5? God, I wish I could say yes. Uh, No. Uh, no, I don't see a world in which a rotation adds Wade LeBlanc and Cole Stewart and brings their ERA down by over a run. Uh, I, I just sadly don't see that. I don't like to speak ill of many pitchers because I know it's like one of the hardest jobs in sports, but I don't, I don't really have many you know, fantastic statistical nuggets about Wade LeBlanc. Um, I'll say that he seems like a very a legitimately fantastic father on Instagram, though. Mm-hmm. Um Cole Stewart is is interesting. He actually has a really, really, really good slider. In two, over two years, uh, 193 expected batting average, 198 Woba. Um, Alex Cobb, everything's going to rely on that splitter. You know, if the thing returns, then maybe he can be a low four ERA guy again, maybe. And then there are two interesting names in John Means and Asher Wojciechowski. I mean, those are guys that I think we legitimately need to be paying attention to that John Means, I think, can be drafted in 12-teamers now at the very back end, depending on what you need. And then Asher Wojciechowski is trying to work on this new, I think it's a split change or a Vulcan change. Um, I think so, yeah. If he gets that down, that's very interesting. John Means, that changeup is really legit. He was working on a curveball this offseason and his curveball is actually really filthy so if he can make that more of a part of his repertoire I mean he could actually be a a legitimate uh, um, fantasy pitcher I think this year yeah and I know too on MLB the show John Means is actually pretty decently dirty on that game he's not too (laughs) bad of a pitcher (laughs) yes yeah sadly they won't let me pitch with him every day uh, in the show (laughs) because his stamina runs out but uh, I try as often as I can yeah Zach would you think this rotation can keep it under four and a half no I don't, <laughs> but I do like the I, I do like the John Means discussion there. I think he's got a ton of potential. It's just obviously the ballpark really does hurt his stuff. Um, he's got a great pitch mix, and Alex was saying he's got some some wipeout stuff there. But um, it, it's funny, Alex. I don't know if you've heard there's a, this MLB Remix League that we were doing. Matt Williams was running, oh, and yeah. it's it's basically us just redrafting the entire MLB. And um, I drafted on the Tampa Bay Rays, so I brought John Means to Tampa Bay. And I actually love love that pick. I just love the stuff. I just did not like the ballpark that he was in. So if John Means was on another team, I would really like him quite a bit. And I think he could be a um, probably more of a middle to uh, maybe like a 2-3 starter in the rotation. But he's got good stuff. It's just he's in a very tough environment to pitch, and it's, it's, it's going to hurt him a little bit this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got great stuff and I do like him moving forward. It's, it's, it's hard to get very excited about this rotation. I'm not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it, it, it definitely is. It's, it's, it, it's a tough one. That's why it's like when Asher Wojciechowski struck out like, like 11 Red Sox last year, I almost lost my mind. So while we, <laughs> while we don't have a lot of success, when we do have it, it, it makes up for the entire season. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen glimpses from Wojciechowski. We've seen it from John Means, Alex Cobb in the past. Uh, he's battled some injuries since he's been in Baltimore, but when he was with Tampa, I mean, he had a few good years there as well. Cole Stewart has, um, he had some top prospect pedigree a few mm-hmm. years ago. It's kind of gone away a little bit, but maybe there's still something in the tank there. But there's a bright future of starting pitching with this team, but they're going to, it's still probably a few years away till we see some of those guys. Yes, I also noticed that you didn't have anything nice to say about Wade LeBlanc as well, so I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but looking at Cole Stewart, the Twins actually took him. I'm a Twins fan. I remember they took him fourth overall in 2013, and they actually tried him out as a starter in 2018 a little bit, and he just had, he can't control the ball. He walked yeah. 18 guys in 36 innings, and then they tried him out in the bullpen more in 2019, and that didn't work out as well. I mean, his ERA was almost seven as well, giving up home runs, and he just he just didn't work out. Yeah, that's the thing about the Orioles. Like, give me all of your projects. You know yep. what I mean? I want every project that 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 I can get my hands on right now. And I I deeply want to I'm so doing my best to not get too down about what the what the new front office is, right? Like mm-hmm. there have been a few moves already where I'm like, uh, okay, like the Jonathan VR one, I just don't get. Like I I just don't really get. Um, head scratcher. It was a total head scratcher, and like I'm still reserving. You know, uh, like even with Dylan Bundy last year, I was like, okay, make him throw his slider more and get rid of the fastball, and they didn't do it. And when he goes to L.A., I want to see if he does it there because then it says, well, maybe the mm-hmm. Orioles didn't tell him to keep doing that. So I, the jury's still out. You didn't ask about this. I don't know why I'm going on a tangent. Probably because I listened to the Yancey Eaton episode, and we all know how much he likes to go on his tangents. <laughs> we like uh, we like we like tangents here. It's okay. 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 <laughs> It's a tangent. It's a tangent supported zone. I appreciate that. Um, it's when I when I read what's it called? Not uh, what was the book about the the Astros season? Oh, I can't remember what it was called, but they wrote up Elias in the uh, in the book, and it got me so excited and Sigmidel about what was going to happen with this new organization. And so far, some of the moves I've just been like, okay, like let me just give it a few years, but I, I'm not too excited quite yet. Yeah, uh, the one highlight, I think, of this team, though, or the strength, if you could even call it that, is the bullpen. They got a couple guys in there that I think have potential to be decent arms in the bullpen. Michael Givens, Hunter Harvey, Tanner Scott from the left side. I know he can hit almost hit 100 on the gun. Do you think this bullpen doesn't get enough credit? You know what? I, yes, because they're so taxed that, of course, they're not going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when when your starting pitchers like go four innings, <laughs> like you're not going to be good at the end <laughs> of the year. Um, Michael Givens is 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 better than numbers suggest. He had a 32 percent CSW last year, which led the Orioles and was top 40 among relievers in baseball. 91 percent percent 91 percentile in K rate, 90 percent in whiff rate, I think as well. But he's like hater with a lesser fastball. But in that when it gets hit, it gets hit super mm-hmm. hard. Um, Miguel Castro has interesting stuff as well. He actually really likes to go to backup sliders, which I thought was really weird, but he threw 55 backup sliders last year, which you would think is kind of a mistake pitch, but he seems to do it purposefully. And it, it returned to zero Woba. It didn't record. There, there were no hits off of it, which is just hmm. absolutely insane to me. The next person behind him was Max Scherzer. Then other guys, you, you, you brought up Tanner Scott, who I think is great. Um, two other guys that kind of stick out to me, Richard Blyer. He's got some really good stuff. He was one of the best Wobacons in baseball or Wobacons uh, last year. Really low walk rate as well. I know he was plagued by injury. Hopefully he's going to come back this year and, and, and be pretty good. I think a reliable setup guy. And the last dude is Sean, Sean Armstrong. Um, I follow this account on, on Instagram called uh, Codify or like Get Into the Blue, I think it's called. If you search Codify on Instagram, you can find it. And I think Sean Armstrong 
and works with this guy. He makes like custom heat maps for the players and he has a relationship with them. And he helped out like Blake Trinan and Sean Doolittle. And he's a very interesting dude. But he was showing Sharon Armstrong about how he can have success on middle, middle heaters which I thought was really interesting. And he threw a, a fair amount of middle-middle four-seamers last year, and he had a .051 WOBA on them hmm. last year, which was fa- just fascinating, right? It's almost like game theory, where it's like, we're all fans, we all watch the game, you never want to leave a fastball over the heart of the plate. But because every batter is thinking about low in the zone right now or get, not getting beat up top, there hmm. could theoretically be holes right in the center. He was taking advantage of them and, and having success with it. This sounds like MLB the show. I can hit everything else, but I can't hit a ball right down the middle. <laughs> that PCI, dude. You got to move that PCI the yep. last second. It's brutal. And it's always pop. under it or over it. 100%. God, yeah, I could see that happening, though, because a lot of guys, they want that. I think Mitch Garver is one of them, too. He loved that high heater. He wanted to take that, pull that as hard as he could. And either they want to induce the ground ball or pitch it high. And if you just throw it down the middle, sometimes guys just don't even see it coming. I don't think you're going to be able to do it every plate appearance, but you're right. I mean, it, it's it's just like they're not going to – it's the last thing you would expect. So it's interesting. Yes, yes, it is for sure. So going into the farm system, it's not – I don't think it's like probably not even a top 15, but I think the top five guys in this farm system could be like a top five in the league. Would you agree <laughs> with that? I, I, I don't, I mean, I think we might have a top 15, believe it or not. Like I, which is crazy to say, because it's been so many years. I know that MLB.com ranks us as the 13th, which Mm. is like blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, like I get so scared about Adley Rushman because it's like, I remember when we drafted like Matt Wieters and he was Mauer with power. Mm -hmm. And then I remember when we drafted chance Cisco and it was like, he was going to be great. Um, I everyone tells me Adley Rushman is the real deal. And what I've seen, he looks like the real deal. And I'm happy that I think it was 538 wrote an article about how he's a very offensive minded catcher, which is going to be great in three years when we have automated strike zones and framing doesn't matter as much. So that's really exciting. I, I, I'm hoping that they're going to all pan out, but I've just lived through so, I you know. God, Zach Britton was going to be the future Hunter Harvey, Dylan Bundy. Uh, what's his name? Um, Brian Mattis. I mean, so many guys, man. So many guys. <laughs> and you guys Remember- like your catchers, I too. Like Austin Wins, I feel like was supposed to be a decent MLB catcher as well. And I feel like the Orioles always have those guys that they either drafted somewhat high or loved or were high in the systems, but just never turned out. Oh, God, yeah. And then they go to another team and win a Cy Young like Jake Arrieta. <laughs> yep. No, I was going to say uh, a ton of former top prospects, starting pitching prospects. I was going to add John Main to that list. He came oh. to the Mets. I used to love John Main with the Orioles. I was like a, a closet Orioles fan back in the day because I used to go to Baltimore quite a bit, a couple times mm. a year for ball games. So I was a huge fan like when Marquecas was called up. Do you remember? I'm curious, Alex. Do you remember another outfielder that was called up right around the time that Marquecas was called up, another top prospect for them? Another top prospect? Uh, no, I don't think. No, Nate McLouth wasn't an Orioles prospect. I think he was a journeyman. It might have been a pirate. So no, I don't remember yeah, who. Pirates. Do you remember the name Val Majuski? Majeski? Oh my God! Yeah, because I remember doing <laughs> that as a kid and not being able to know how to say it. <laughs> he went to uh, my high school. Him and his brother. So I was always rooting for him, and he got called up, and he made a, a good debut, and then he got hurt, and then Marquez came up and kind of just took his spot, and he never was the same. But yeah, I was a huge fan back. Back in the day when um, those guys were top prospects, John Main was a top guy and he was ultimately traded to the Mets, I believe. Uh, but yeah, like Brian Mattis, Hunter Harvey was supposed to be the, the totally. future star starting pitcher, Dylan Bundy, just 
it just seems like a lot of injuries caught up with a lot of these starting pitchers. Hopefully that does not uh, stay the same for some of these top prospects you guys have here. But yeah, it's been kind of a tough blow for you guys. It seems like a lot of these starting pitching prospects really were converted relievers and he had a lot of success that way. But you guys need to somehow develop these starting pitchers. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> that, would, that would be really nice. I remember reading an article on ESPN after we drafted Dylan Bundy about how he was on his ranch flipping tires. And I was like, yeah, this is the guy. And then just, you know, nothing happened as a result of it. So hopefully, you know, with this new organization, they'll be able to. There was just no analytics. I remember when I was talking mm -hmm. to a guy in the Orioles analytics department like two or three years ago. And like that, and like, seriously, like very recently before, like right before Elias came in. And that was it. Like, that was the guy, you know, like they just were one of those organizations that was like the Rockies and that like they just didn't do it. It just mm -hmm. wasn't really their thing. And so now hopefully things can change a little bit. Yeah. One guy, though, that I think is more the interesting prospects in their farm system is Grayson Rodriguez. Mm. Do you think he potentially has the best pitching stuff to be the best prospect in baseball right now. Oh man, that'll, that'll be tough. I don't know if he'll, I, uh, I think he's definitely top 10 and arguably top five. I don't know if he's the best because the guys like Mackenzie Gore and the, you know, guys in the Tigers system, it just feels like they have so many of them right now who can all be fantastic between mm -hmm. Mize and Manning and Scoble. Um, and Spencer Howard is obviously going to be fantastic, but he's exciting. It's sad that the only comp people can make for him right now is Forrest Whitley because it's like, didn't really work out yet so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if i if i really want to hear that one um but anytime a guy's got a 34 percent k rate over 90 innings of work i don't care if it's in single a like he had a sub one whip over 90 innings that's just it has me foaming at the mouth the same feeling i got reading that espn article so who'd you comp him to it's tough i mean i i maybe he would be like a it, it's so unsexy but almost like a Marcus Stroman their velocity profiles are the same he doesn't have the same kind of slider that like say you know he's not a lefty but say like a, a Corbin does um but maybe like a better Marcus Stroman okay I was gonna say that I would I was looking into him quite a bit and when Jose Fernandez the late and great Jose Fernandez that was the kind of a guy that I mean he has that 96 to 97 on our fastball Yep. And has a decent slider. And I mean, he just kind of reminds me of him when I look and read through his stuff. Yeah, I I could only hope. And they have that big same body profile, too. I, yep. I believe that they're, they're similar in that sense. Uh, I, I God, I hope so. Watching him was just a pleasure. Yeah. Zach, what do you think of Rodriguez? Yeah, I mean, he's got the opportunity to become one of the top prospects out there. I'm concerned about the environment that he's going to be in. Um, he's got all this, the makings to be a frontline starter, but I mean, it's just tough bringing a starting pitcher to Baltimore. I mean, just just not a ton of success. Like we said, we've seen so many of these great arms leave Baltimore and become great. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> no, I am. It's it's tough. I just I hope that he can be that ace that we're expecting, but it's just it's one of the tougher environments in baseball to pitch, and hopefully he can overcome it. But it's hard to tell, and he's still so young. And like the Forrest Whit Whitley comp, it's a good comp, but like you said, Whitley, we just we haven't seen much from him either. He's been battling some injuries and inconsistencies, and um, hopefully both of them can kind of put everything together. But he's just he's just got a, a long road ahead of him with this environment that he's going to be pitching in. But hopefully he can overcome it and be that stud frontline starter we're expecting here. But there's a few other guys. Uh, D.L. Hall is another guy mm -hmm. in A-ball who's got some promising stuff as well. A lot of people were down on the 
the Machado return. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys got a few players. Uh, you used Nell Diaz mm-hmm. and Dean Kramer were two of the headlining pieces. I really like them uh, to make an impact in the next year or two. You, a lot of your top guys are a few years away, but those guys, along with like Ryan Mountcastle, they could make an impact as early as this year. I'm curious what your thoughts are on some of these guys who are maybe more MLB ready. No, totally. Without a doubt, I think Ryan Mountcastle is ready to make an impact right away. I I'm, I have taken the side recently where I believe in an 82-game season, we don't see any prospects at all. Um, when you have organizations that are losing as much money as they are and they're already pretty parsimonious, I don't think they're going to want to start service time clocks, especially an organization like the Orioles. So while I would hope that we see Ryan Mountcastle this year, I would be surprised because he's an exciting name. And Yusniel Diaz is another great example. I mean, he, he, he's not, he wasn't really like, exploding in the minors but he's got enough to i think be better than like a quad a player like i think he'll be a pretty good everyday outfielder for the orioles um and then dean kramer yeah he's got some interesting stuff we were fortunate enough to interview him at last year's first pitch arizona and he he isn't the most um analytically minded like he he which was kind of scary um but he 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 does have some really exciting stuff and then yeah down the list i mean you know, he's obviously not going to be up for a while, but Gunnar Henderson is, you know, another person that we can look forward to down the line. There is one guy um, that I saw in spring training who is in the top 30 list, but all the way down at the bottom, uh, a pitcher, Bruce Zimmerman. He's this uh, lefty who's got this slider that made Austin Meadows look absolutely ridiculous in spring training in two at-bats, and he was just going to it all the time. Uh, the fastball is pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if—I think they were going to give him a shot as a as a long relief or maybe a number five starter, but I think down the line he could be a uh, a, a bullpen guy, kind of like a um, an Amir Garrett, someone who's just got this really filthy slider. I don't know if he has the same velocity as Garrett, but he, he's got some exciting stuff. He's someone to be uh, keeping an an eye out for and and to return to that point to what you said about the Orioles being a team that ships off their best pitchers the best part about that is you get their jerseys when they sucked and it seems much more legitimate <laughs> when they get good you know what I mean like yeah, yeah what's so. the craziest jersey or jersey that you have of an Orioles player I, mean, I still have my Nick Marcakis jersey I have an Adley Rushman jersey already <laughs> the best one of an Orioles player oh okay it, it's kind of cheating but it's a Hyunsu Kim Doosan Bears jersey that I had a friend in grad school who lived in South Korea get for me because I was so excited that he was an Oriole. <laughs> yeah, didn't he start off with the Orioles and went back to the KBO? He did. He started off with the Orioles and he hit 300. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they said, no, thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Why not? <laughs> why, why would you want that? Then he went to the Phillies and didn't have success. And now he's back in Korea. God, that's good. That's so crazy. But one guy that I was looking at too, that he kind of profiles as an Andrew Benintendi Tendi type, and that's Ryan McKenna. I think he could definitely get in that outfield if like DJ Stewart struggled. I think McKenna could come up and take like a right field or center field spot in Austin Hayes. They would just kind of flip flop. What do you think of him? Yeah, definitely. I, I think anyone who plays an above average outfielder right now can can take Anthony Santander's spot unless he kind of heats up offensively. And and McKenna, I believe, is the better outfielder. He's not really going to like I don't think the park is going to help in terms of the power because I don't recall him being an extremely power heavy guy. But I mean, I'm pretty sure he hit. Yeah, he hit like 344 in the Arizona Fall League for a little <laughs> while. Uh, so I, I do think he's got the contact skills to. To, to have some success there, uh, which is kind of weird. If you think about all the bats, like 
between him and Anzar Alberto, there's a lot of weird contact names uh, for the Orioles right now. They actually, you know, it's so funny. We think they're an organization that's so poor, and they really are, but they're not poor in the typical sense. Like, they're not an organization that really strikes out all that much. I don't even think they were in the top 10 in K-rate last year. They were 16th in K-rate last year. They just don't have any pitching. They just don't have any pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of players that you have a lot of mediocre players, not bad. Like there's not that many bad players. There's a lot of mediocre. And then you have like your sprinkles of a couple potential superstars. So I don't I don't think it is that as bad as people think as well, like with their farm system and all that. Totally. I, I can very much appreciate that we are a very fun team to dunk on because I, I have joy doing it myself. But mm-hmm. I do think that there is some, you know, as a fan, there is some things that there are some things that we can watch to get excited about. Yeah, we had an episode on a couple weeks ago rate, ranking our stadiums, and I had Camden Yards at number two, and I know Zach's been there quite as well. What is a? Do you love Camden Yards as much as we do, or do you have other ballparks that you like to go to? No, you know, I, I do. I mean, I grew up going there, and, and, and it is fantastic, and it feels extremely intimate, right? I think that's why, uh, you know, a lot of people like it. I mean, obviously, it, it, it you know, lived to inspire a, a lot of stadiums after it, but, like, because the warehouse is so close Mm-hmm. It just feels like a super intimate experience, which is a lot of fun. Um, I really like Comerica, which is kind of strange. I think it's like Camden, but it has open concourses, which is really nice. Um, I thought that one was a lot of fun, but uh, I don't It just always reminds me of Camden Yards. But I mean, it's definitely, you know, if you don't think it's the top stadium in baseball, maybe you think it's PNC or maybe you think it's, in, you know, in San Francisco. That's fine. But it's top five without a doubt. Okay, very nice. Uh, Zach, do you have anything else for Alex this evening? Yeah, so Alex, we did a few questions. We did it with Yancey as well. It wasn't, we called it rapid fire. It wasn't so rapid as you, <laughs> a lot of people know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just going to fire off a few questions at you here uh, just to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so my first question was about the ballparks because we did our ballpark episode. So I'm going to nix that. But while we're talking ballparks, what is your go-to food when you go to a ball game? Uh, without a doubt, hot dogs, 100%. That's my man. Good stuff. Uh, I agree on the hot dogs, although I call it something different, but um, we'll continue. I just like calling it a big juicy wiener. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. How can I, how can I forget? Um, so I also, I, I've listened to some podcasts with you as a guest, and it sounded like you went to acting school. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so I'm curious, who would play Alex Fast in a movie? Oh, God. Uh, Tilda Swinton, because she can do absolutely anything. Nice. Why do I know that name? What is Tilda Swinton in? If you look up Tilda Swinton, she's definitely one of those faces where you're like, oh, yeah, that's Tilda Swinton. Okay, great. (laughs) I am going to look that up right after this. All right. Um, So I would like to also know your favorite baseball. It doesn't have to be fantasy. It could just be regular baseball. Your favorite baseball podcast and then your favorite non-baseball podcast. Uh, Favorite baseball podcast has to be the exit velocity baseball podcast uh okay so other than us or other okay. than a podcast that you have been on because you make your rounds as well oh god the podcast have been on. um sleeper in the bust is what got me started sleeper in the bust is is you know is 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 why i'm here so i'll definitely say them and then you know what i don't listen to podcasts hmm. i don't i no. never it's just never been a thing that i really got that into and and yeah so i don't, I don't really have a favorite one you're a big music guy aren't you Yes, definitely. Yeah, I'll do music all day, every day. Any song or artist that you have on repeat these days? 
Yes, Jacob Collier is just absolutely fantastic. He is a prodigy from England who has been making fantastic music for many years. He's like 20 years old now. He just released a song called All I Need with Mahalia and Ty Dolla Sign. That's his most accessible. It's very soulful, very funky. It's very pop, which is very out of the element, just kind of out of the norm for him. I just think he is amazing. So that, and I think that's probably been my most repeated song in the past week for sure. Okay. I'll have to check that out. It was funny. I was talking to Yancey, and he said that you got him on a group. I'm going to look this up real quick. It was a super group. I told him I was a, a big Stuart Copeland fan from the police. Oh, Oysterhead. And Oysterhead. So that's yeah. on my list. Whenever I get a few seconds to myself Dude, to listen to some music, Stuart I'm going to check Copeland. them out. Stuart Copeland's amazing, man. He's amazing. And this was like a super group. It's with some other big names, too, right? Yes, it's um, uh, Trey Anastasio from Fish, uh, and it's Les Claypool uh, from from Primus. It's wild, dude. I really need to check that out. So I'm looking wild. forward to that. So thank you for that recommendation. Sure. Um, how many fantasy leagues do you typically play in? Um, I try I, every year. I promise myself I will do no more than four. So I do six. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I do the same thing. I think uh, I was keeping it around four, and I think I'm up to eight this year. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, Our buddy over at uh, Bases Loaded, Mike Curlin, I think he told me he has like 20 leagues. Oh. It's just I, I don't know how anybody can do that. <laughs> I can barely focus on four. Um, but one last question. Uh, you know, I, I love listening to you on other podcasts and your podcast and just talking all the analytics and everything. Do you think there's any chance that we see Alex Fast in the Baltimore Orioles front office someday? Uh, that is so, you know, no one's ever asked me that and I'll, I'll, would that be something you like? Do you think that could be a dream job of yours? I'll say this. I came very, very close and decided not to. Okay. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll say that. I'll say that. And yeah, you, you also... work for MLB, right? Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. So I, it, it was, yeah, it, it was, yeah, I'll, I can't say more, but yes, it was, it was close. Maybe I was onto something. Maybe you were off the job and turned it down. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thanks a lot, guys. You really blew up my spot here. <laughs> I will say, I will say not to pivot too hard, but I'm going to give you one more super group that you might like um, okay. that I didn't tell Yancey about. And now you can lord it over him. And, and that's Colonel Claypool's bucket of Bernie brains. Um, this was another Les Claypool side project that I think he formed at like some music festival. I think it was Lollapalooza. So it's Les Claypool, who if you like Primus, then that's great. Uh, Buckethead, this great funk keyboardist who I believe recently passed away named Bernie Worrell, uh, and then the original drummer from Primus. So it's it, they did one album, and it's just insane. I can't wait to check it out, man. I appreciate all of the uh, musical advice, and I appreciate you answering some of these questions for us tonight. And that's all I got for Alex. But yeah, thanks for joining us. I know everybody loves listening to you in the fantasy baseball community. So thanks for everything you do, and looking forward to PitchCon this weekend and everything moving forward from you. So thanks a lot, man. Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure being on. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. How can everyone follow you on Twitter and all that? Yeah, go on to Twitter uh, at AlexFast8, and I'll be there tweeting about the KBO and then probably about uh, how pitchers can get ahead in OO counts. It's just the presentation this week at PitchCon. So come out and check it out, and, uh, and hopefully it's good. <laughs> yeah, it will be. It'll be fun. Thanks again, Alex. You have a wonderful Memorial Day. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care.